Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a joy to be here today um, and to be over in Northern Ireland. Um, we had our um, Northern Ireland Summit yesterday, um, so it was a great fun day um, all together with people from across all of Northern Ireland and a few people from Scotland came actually as well. Um, I'm part of the leadership team at Home for Good um, and I coordinate some of our nationwide programmes including Adoption Sunday which is um, today across the whole of the UK. Um, churches are coming together to pray for vulnerable children in our nations. Um, my only sadness about this weekend is that we didn't manage to, my husband and I didn't manage to smuggle our cocker spaniel on the flight. So our walks this afternoon will be a little less fun for that. <laughs> um, at a family wedding reception a few years ago, I was at a table with a load of um, mathematicians who had all graduated from Oxford University. Now, this is not my speciality. <laughs> <laughs> and um, fortunately, at the table, there were some quiz questions to help us all get to know who we were sitting with. Um, the first of these sort of uh, icebreakers was um, some statements, and we had to assign these statements to different people at um, the table. So I'm just going to read some of the ones that were on my table and see if you can figure out which ones might relate to me. <laughs> so this person has a tattoo. This person climbed the three peaks in 24 hours. This person landed a helicopter in a US airfield. This person has been in prison. And this person names their pets after characters from Shakespeare plays. So I won't reveal to you how many of those are true to me. <laughs> but the people at, the, at my table were pretty surprised to find out that this person has been in prison was related to me. Um, and there was a fair amount of disbelief about this, but prior to working for Home for Good, I actually used to work with prisoners and ex-offenders um, around the UK and help them um, reintegrate into communities um, once they were released. And for me, that's part of my journey to Home for Good and why I'm so passionate about children in care, about fostering and adoption, because so many of the men and women that I came into contact with in the prisons that I worked in um, had experience of care, um, either as children or now they had children who were being looked after um, because they were serving a prison sentence. Um, and so the injustice of the fact that um, our prisons are over, uh, uh, overpopulated by um, children who've aged out of the care system, that that's an overrepresentation in our prison system, um, is an injustice that really drives me and wh why I'm passionate about this. I'm not a foster carer, I'm not an adopter, maybe one day, um, but this is something that I believe we all have a part to play in, and that's one of the things that um, is one of the reasons why I work for Home for Good. Um, so Home for Good is a nationwide charity um, working to encourage Christians uh, to step forward, to consider fostering and adoption, um, and to equip churches to wrap around those families and those children so that they're able to grow up in a loving home where they can thrive and reach their potential. 
Um, And this morning I want to share a little bit about the story of Nehemiah. Um, Now you might think, what's that got to do with adoption and fostering? But bear with me, um, because I think there's some stuff we can learn from Nehemiah's story um, that will help us this morning. Um, so the book of Nehemiah um, is, opens in the year of 445 BC um, in Persia. And Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. I mean, this was a privileged position, right? Um, he had access to the king. Um, he was trusted by the king. He'd taste the wine before um, the king um, drank it um, so that he was guarded against being poisoned. So Nehemiah was highly trustworthy and in a position of influence with the king. And in chapter one of uh, the book of Nehemiah, uh, he learns about the the state that the walls and the gates of Jerusalem are in. And Nehemiah is devastated and he sits down and he weeps and he mourns and fasts and prays. And then in chapter 2, Nehemiah goes to the king um, and tells him why he's upset. And the king asks Nehemiah what he wants um, and then grants Nehemiah's request for time and safe passage and resources um, to go to Jerusalem and fix the walls. And when Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he secretly sets out to inspect the walls Um, examines the extent of the damage uh, and the work to be done. And then he works with a long list of other people um, in chapter 3 who set out to rebuild those walls. And in chapter 4 then, um, Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite become angry and ridicule the Jews Jews, uh, who are rebuilding the walls. So I'm just going to read a little bit from chapter 4. If you've got Bibles on your phones or whatever, feel free to get them out, but don't worry if not. So Nehemiah 4, verses 6, verse 6 to 23 says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, the Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble in it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. 
the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as they worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work uh, with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. So Lord, we pray that um, as we look at this together, uh, you would speak, uh, you would minister by your Holy Spirit to each of us um, and show us what we can do in response. Amen. So this Adoption Sunday, we are clearly not responding to a ruined wall. (laughs) We're not setting about the task of rebuilding the walls and the gates around a city. But as you just heard in the video and Julie shared a little bit, um, there's an enormous need in Northern Ireland. Um, It's nearly 3,000 children that are in the care system um, and there's 200 more fostering families are needed. And when we look at that, it's right that we respond like Nehemiah did, that we are devastated by that news that that is the state of our, of our city, of our nation, um, that there are children who are waiting for families, um, that there is this need. It's right that, we're, that we see that injustice and that we're upset by it. And what did Nehemiah do in response to that need? His immediate thing was to mourn, to pray, and to fast. Um, And so as the Home for Good staff team, actually, we we have a monthly day of prayer (laughs) because we're working knowing these numbers, knowing the need, knowing some of the children and some of the children's stories some of our team are foster carers or adopters, and they, they mourn some of the things that their children have experienced, or some of the things that their children haven't had access to that every child should. And it's right that we're upset by that, that we mourn that. But we don't just leave it at that and go, oh, I'm upset, I'm going to curl up in a ball and cry about that. We have an almighty God that we can pray to, Um, And that we can fast before and plea to him that he would intercede. And that is something that we can all do, uh, whether we are foster carers, adopters, kinship carers, part of a church. We can respond like Nehemiah does in prayer to the needs in our city. And I think that's that's not just for fostering and adoption, is it? (laughs) That is for all of the brokenness that we see around us, that we experience in our own lives as individuals. We can pray to a God who listens, just like Nehemiah did. But Nehemiah doesn't leave it at that, does he? He doesn't go, oh, I'm, I'm upset, oh, I've prayed, that's my job done. 
Nehemiah does something practical in response. He goes to the king and he gets what he needs. He gets safe passage. He gets a letter uh, that allows him to go. He gets the resources that he needs to rebuild. And when he gets to, the, to Jerusalem, he then examines the walls. He looks at the, what is the state of play here. And therefore, what do I need to do in response? He gathers what is needed. And Julie shared uh, a minute ago, she's gone to the social workers. She's gone to the council and said, what do, what do you need? What is your actual practical need right now? Because I want to help, but I'm not just going to assume something. What is it that you need? And once we know that, then we can think about a solution and what we can do. Um, and Nehemiah says, come, let us rebuild the wall. He's not doing this on his own. He's gathering all of the information and the people in order to do something. Um, and as part, again, as part of a UK-wide movement, I've had, the, um, I've had the joy of being able to work with Trent Vineyard a little bit over the last year. So you're a vineyard church, so I'm sure you know about Trent a little bit. But they've been working on a city-wide campaign. Um, so they went to their council, much like Julie has, um, and said, what do you need? And the council said, well, we need more foster carers. So they, along with um, a number of other churches across the city, put out a letter to every Christian saying, could you think about fostering? And they then ran a Sunday, much like this, to raise the profile of fostering. And then they did follow-on events, much like Julie's doing, <laughs> with the foundations course in the new year, so that people could find out what this might look like for them. And they have committed to, as a unity of churches in Nottingham, they've committed to finding 100 more fostering families over the next three years to meet the needs of that city. And that's a really practical response, isn't it? They've prayed about it. They felt God saying, you know, and op God opening the doors and saying, this is something that you can do something about. And they've responded practically. And we see that here as well. And that is just so exciting. So just like Nehemiah, after they prayed, they responded to the situation practically. So once Nehemiah had got all these practicalities sorted... It wasn't something that he could do on his own, was it? <laughs> Nehemiah would have died before he finished rebuilding that wall and the gates on his own. And I think, um, well, chapter three is full of that long list of everybody who was involved in different parts, who brought different skills um, to the rebuilding work. Um, and there's a long list. There's priests, there's district rulers, there's temple servants, perfume makers, daughters are all listed. This was a task for which there was a shared responsibility. And individuals had particular skills that they could offer within that as well. And again, when we look at fostering, when we look at adoption um, and the vulnerable children who are in this position... There's a long list of people who are involved in the lives of those children, be it social workers, be it teachers, doctors, therapists, carers, extended family, friends, neighbours. There's a long list of people involved in these children's lives. Um, 
and involved in that task of nurturing a child or young person to their full potential and giving them what they need to flourish. And that list can feel just as overwhelming as the, the task of rebuilding the wall, can't it? But being part of the body of Christ um, and as part of the church, I believe actually that we all have a shared responsibility to vulnerable children and to the families and individuals who care for them, who walk alongside them through befriending. And we're all called to participate in that. And some people might have that particular skill or access to um, special training to equip them for that. Um, but they need others around them to work. And I love that bit in Nehemiah where he stations guards next to the people who were building. Because in so many people's work, we can't go about what we're doing if we weren't supported by, protected by, um, chivied on by the people alongside us. Um, this weekend, my husband has cooked all weekend for me <laughs> so that I could just focus on what the work that I was doing. So we see that in our individual relationships. We see it in the church. How much more can we see that call to participate um, being needed for fostering and adoption? It doesn't happen in an isolation, and not everybody is going to be called to become a foster carer or adopter. Um, but we are all called to participate in some way. And the final thing I want to say is that as the, as the church, um, we are called to persevere with those families. As a family together, we're called to persevere with children and young people who are in care. And Nehemiah took a risk to build this wall. <laughs> he took a risk to go to the king and say, I, wa I want time off work. <laughs> I want to go away and I want you to give me all of these resources so that I can do this. Um, fostering and adoption can be full of challenges. And it can be fairly relentless. Amidst many joys, it can be relentless. And, and families who open their homes in this way will experience times where the reality is painful um, and where they need other people gathered around them and to help them persevere in a tricky time. So one family that I'm connected to um, has a little WhatsApp group um, and every time something kicks off at home, um, they send a little prayer request um, uh, to this group and we pray for them and they have another person who takes their child out for, um, for a, a day sometimes so that they can spend time with their other children without his, his needs uh, being paramount. So we're called to persevere in the face of challenge and to persevere in standing alongside families who open their homes to vulnerable children. And I know that as, as a church here, um, there are individuals who are involved and as you, you're doing lots of stuff from the front, um, so there's already some amazing work going on um, in response to the needs of vulnerable children. Um, but can I encourage you again today just to consider for yourself um, what could your response be to the needs here in Northern Ireland? Um, the needs for more foster carers, for adoptive families, for the needs of children and young people, for families and professionals who are caught up in and serving the care system here.
how could you be like Nehemiah and respond in prayer for those children, for those families, for the professionals, for policy and decision makers? How could you, like Nehemiah, respond practically by identifying needs and supporting with those and giving to those? Um, how does God call you to participate? And on your seats, you'll find um, some Count Me In cards. And this is our way of asking you to participate in Home for Good. And there are three tick boxes on the back of different ways that you could get involved. And I'd love it if you could fill those in and stay connected with us. And if you would like to participate by giving, um, then actually, if you set up a, sta a stand regular standing order, I can give you a free book today. <laughs> um, so if you'd like to participate that way, we know that that's a vital way to support this work just as much as praying, as fostering or adopting or supporting a family. So we'd love it if you'd join the Home for Good family in that way by financially giving as well. And where is God asking you to persevere? Again, for yourself or for those people around you. And as we are confronted by the brokenness around us in our own lives, um, in our society, particularly the needs of vulnerable children this morning, um, as we share that responsibility and we reflect on that, um, I think, it, well, it's, it's a beautiful coincidence, or not coincidence, that Nehemiah's name actually means Yahweh comforts. Um, and so I'm just going to pray um, for God's comfort now, actually, for those families. Um, God, we, we pray for your comfort. Thank you for your reminder of that this morning, um, that you would comfort everybody who mourns today children who mourn we pray for your work of restoration um, and that your spirit would guide our hearts and our hands um, to respond to the needs around us would you minister to us by your spirit now would you show us how we can pray how we can help practically where do you want us to participate? And where do we need to be persevering for ourselves or for those around us? Amen.